Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Let's see. Okay. Now, I'm always <laughs> having trouble coordinating this. It's Friday, Sabbath, Shabbos. And tomorrow's going to be Shabbos of Thomas this weekend, as you know. And I was asked by the uh, patron saint, one of our patron saints of this podcast, Abe Gluck in uh, Lakewood, a good friend, to uh, try to get him before Shabbos uh, something about Shabbos of Thomas. <laughs> and so here I go. Shabbos of Thomas, I thought I had to approach it. Um, I'm going to get into some of the historical nitty gritty. Um, and I'll show you how to pursue it if that's something that captures your interest. <clears throat> From the Dvar Torah point of view, you know, the Mishnah says there are five things that happened. They broke the Luchos, and the guy burned the Torah, and mainly by Shrish and by Shane. Mainly when we think of, of uh, Shabbat Shabbat Thomas, we usually associate it with the siege of Jerusalem, by Shrish and by Shane. Now, I always like to point out, at the very level of Pashup Shat, that there is a big difference, because if you take the trouble to read, say, from Lochem, at Yerbiyot, what happened there was different than what happened in Bayashani. In Bayashani, as we'll see in a minute, I hope, there was a constant fighting like the Alamo. You are fighting all over the place to the last minute. Masha Enkain, the Bayas Rishon, the city was besieged by the Babylonians. They built a wall around the city, as the Romans did later on, to make sure there's a starvation. And, you know, you couldn't get out. Um, no food could come in. As we know from Yerbiyot, from Echa, the starvation was, like, terrible. And the result was the, the city crumbled, meaning they surrendered. <laughs> clear, but they busted in the wall. The king fled, was eventually captured and killed. And then, so in other words, the garrison that was there ran away. That was what we call Shavuot Thomas. According to some, it was the ninth day of Thomas. <clears throat> that doesn't matter as far as I'm concerned. Now, what that means, let's say it was Shavuot Thomas. So let's say, no, here's the scenario. <clears throat> You have city of Jerusalem, the Jews on the inside, the Babylonians on the outside. The Babylonians break in and the city surrenders. You hear what I said? When they surrender, they fall into the hands of the Babylonian army on Shabbos and Batamas. At that point, what happens? <clears throat> it shouldn't be anything. It should be the city was now in their hands. They could do whatever they want with it. Nebuchadnezzar was not there. His generals, he had assigned the job of just militarily taking the city. They now did that. Now that they captured the city, they were awaiting further orders. Nebuchadnezzar was up in Syria, and Rivla, I think. And it took three weeks for them to send messengers up by Pony Express up to Nebuchadnezzar and say, we captured Yushalayim, the whole business, the base of Migash and everything. And now what are we supposed to do with it? And then he had to decide what to do with it. And then he sent orders back what to do with it. The guy who he sent back with the orders, what to do? It was Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar was not there during the actual siege. He was not in the military side storming the city or anything like that. They had professional generals doing that. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king's big shot, comes down there with orders from the king. That took three weeks. Notice he arrived on the 8th of Av, I believe, and then his orders were burn the whole dog on place down, as we know. That's what we call Tishabov. So the three weeks 
We're not times of fighting. You see what I'm saying? I'm sure they were, they were excruciating. It's the middle of the summer. I don't believe the Babylonians were very generous giving them food and water. Who knows how many died from that whole thing? There's no chronicler to tell us that. We just don't know. We only know what you find in your Miho and such places. There's no going to great detail. I'm more interested in, in, in spinning the story their way from the religious angle, but not in the actual uh, details. Uh, the city, therefore, as we all know, was consigned to destruction. If you go by the Gomorrah, if you take all the Agatha's uh, literally, then there was a massacre there by Nebuzaradan on Tishabov. Because I'll tell you again, he didn't come until three weeks later. He didn't come until the 8th of Av. 7th, 8th of Av. The story with the bubbling blood, where he goes crazy and shacks everybody, portrays a massacre, that was Nebuzaradan. So it couldn't have happened during the three weeks. It could only happen at the end when he showed up. You see what I'm saying? And of course, they burned the place down and carried everybody off as captive and they killed who knows what. And that's that. So, according to that scenario, Shibasa Batamas is the day uh, the enemy captured the city. Yom Gavar Ho'oye Vatiboka Ho'ir. That's one. Now we're going to go to the other thing, the Bayashani. Much more complicated story, only because, unlike Bayashrishan, we do have an eyewitness who cared for the historical details. And that's Josephus. Now, some people don't like Josephus, and I used to teach this stuff long ago, and what do you call it? Um, the whole Doris Roshonin is, is pretty much an attack on Josephus, or major parts of it, even though he himself incorporates a heck of a lot of it in it. Uh, if it's in English, as I'm pointing over here, you get the Victor Miller book over here, who just simply put it, uh, the, this termination, he put it into uh, English, that's all. So this and this are basically the same thing. Just this is impossible to read the way Halevi wrote it. And the Victor Miller is much easier to read if you're into that. By the time you finish, you, you hear Josephus was the worst. Haleri, the worst moms that ever lived. And he's a total liar and all the rest of it. Which is simply not true. So um, It's totally not true. Now, if anything, <laughs> I won't go into that. Now, uh, there's no question that a lot of, there are things Josephus said that are not true. That's in every history book. You get it? That's in every history book. There's no such thing. The history book that doesn't have a certain amount of baloney. It's it's uh, interesting in that regard. And it's an avoda to try to pick out the real parts from the not real parts. That's what historians are supposed to do. Or try to. Or try to. The from put in from lies, the non from the non from lies. As they kids, if you don't realize it, you understand the ABCs. Now, having said that, so what happened to Baishani? Very briefly, the Jews revolted, and there was Vespasian, the Roman general, and during 67, 68, 69, something like that, into 70 CE, he conquered the rest of Eretz Yisrael, Chutz from The exact dates you can get in uh, speculation, uh, like I say, Doris Rishon goes to town on this. He's only interested, not because he's a history uh, uh, antiquities freak, but because he wants to know when did Rabbi Yochanan Zakai leave the city? You know, at one point and things like that. He wants to coordinate the Gemaras with them. The Gemaras are very valuable, but I got news for you. Pretty much, the Gemaras agree with Josephus. Certainly on the main in Yonim. That's funny. The main in Yonim, the Gemaras go with Josephus. With a couple of exceptions. Josephus' time is that he was the guy that went to Vespasian and all that. 
the Gemara said it was Yochum and Zakai. There are a couple discrepancies, but by and large, it's pretty surprising the overlap. Okay? Now, uh, Josephus comes in, in, in English, of course, in the classic edition I'm holding up now by William Whiston, who was an English minister back in the 1700s. It's in the old-fashioned English. It's the collected works of Josephus, which include his first book called The Jewish War to Bella Judaica. And he was there with the Roman army. And he describes in great detail. So if you want to, and I'll say it again. By me, 90%, if not more, is accurate. 90%, if not more, is accurate. Some isn't, but most is. He's writing it with, I won't say sympathy with the Romans, but notice he's all angry at the Jews. He himself was Jewish. So are we. So are we. We look back on the Bergionim. The war was not conducted by Rebbe and Zakai, by Rebbe Kiva, people like that. They were conducted by bad people. I'm sorry to say. And they, these Jews killed each other and so forth. Like I say, you know, uh, the, the Vigan Miller books will, will ding on this prod or that prod. Was Yochan Gushchalov a good guy or a bad guy? But Bader Claw is the same. Okay? And you know from the Gemara, everybody who's ever been there has already done the Gemara of Kamsa or Kamsa one time or another. And there they say to Briyan, we're bad news. They brought down the whole Korban. Okay? Because they wouldn't listen to rabbis and this. They wouldn't, they wouldn't make peace. They wouldn't make war. They did it in a terrible way. They did in a terrible way. So by the time you get to the year 70, Vespasian went back to Rome and he left Titus, his son, in charge. And he undertakes the actual siege of. Jerusalem, with the intention of capturing the city. It's, you know, Josephus always emphasizes that Titus was not a barbarian and wanted to preserve the city. Uh, who knows? It's not Nugatos, what I'm talking about today. Lamaisa, how did the siege, t- how long was the siege? So the siege was less than half a year, uh, from right after Pesach to Tishov. So what is that? It's a uh, Nissan ERC von Thomas is three months and nine days in of and another nine days or something like that in in the other one. It's three and a half months. It wasn't that long. The Gemara talks about three years, but that you have to understand they mean the whole war. When the Chazal use these expressions, three years, ten years, you have to understand what they mean. The whole war is talking three years from 67 to 70 bear. Okay? Now, but the actual siege, if you get down to it, was... Uh, a few months. Uh, even the art school goes with this now. <laughs> now, if you want, it's very confusing. You can uh, read the Jewish war here. Good luck. It's very detailed. And if you're a military guy, it's actually fascinating. And he talks about the, what the base of Migash look like and the, all the politics. It's quite detailed. Um, so it is interesting reading, but it's not for the average Balabas. I do want to say that there's a very good edition that I like and I use of Josephus's Jewish War that I recommend to people, which is the one I'm holding in my hand right now. It looks like a coffee table book, but it isn't. It's an attempt to turn Josephus's actual text into something like a coffee table book with a lot of photographs and pictures, diagrams, which are quite useful. Okay. If you take the trouble to read it, it's the actual text of Josephus. Um, I think with the guy's translation, Galia, Galia Cornfield. Galia is not a girl. Galia, it's in his Zionist name. Galia, like Galka. Okay? He obviously was a professor of this kind of stuff. 
and this was published 40 years ago, 40, something like that. And it's very good. When I go to Schultz and talk about Tishabam, things like that, I always bring this book with me. Now, if you do that, you'll see what is condensed for dumbbells. Now, I mean that in a good sense. In this art scroll book that I'm holding in my hand, that many people have, it's called History of Second Temple Era. Art scroll. It's long ago. And on page 190, 190, we have a very useful diagram, indeed, of the siege of Jerusalem. I'm hold up to the to the to the picture. You can see it better. All right? There you go. I'm not good at this. Okay. And what you'll see is the Yushalayan was in different parts, and there were different walls around different parts. The Romans, as, as I say before, attacked right after uh, Pesach. Uh, and they went after different areas. And if you look at the legend on the bottom, it says the dates. So the Romans penetrated the new city in Zion Eor. That's very quickly. If they started right after Pesach, let's say, I don't know, what, the 25th, something like that, whatever, of, of Nisan. So in two weeks or so, they broke into the, one of the walls, the new city, that's the Agrippa stuff, but they still had the other parts. And the Romans established a camp inside the city. Because if you read Josephus, it's one of the great military uh, histories, even by the Gaian, because he goes into great detail of how the Romans conducted their military operations, which is always with the highest professional skill, I'm sorry to say. On 15 ER, they breached the second wall. So in this picture, you can see they broke in here and then they broke in here. So they're getting closer to the old Yerushalayim, which in this picture you see is um, the Harabias area and all that stuff, and the city beyond that, what we call the lower city, you know, Silwan and all that, uh, that you tourists go to. That was the heart of the Jewish area and resistance, and that's the area that the Jewish defenders fortified and fought hard keep the Romans out, because they didn't want to break in the base of Megish, of course. Ah, you'll ask me a question. What was the half a of these Biryonim at that point? The whole country has fallen in the hands of the Romans already. All is left is Yushalayim, and half the city of Yushalayim is left in the Roman hands. Why don't you make peace? That, my friends, was the, was the sheet of Yochum and Zakai, <laughs> right? The Biryonim would kill him if he said that. So that's the mentality of people you're dealing with. That's the mentality of people you're dealing with. But they did fight hard. And so, I just told you that the second date was 15 ER. So now we go from 15 ER to 5 Tammuz. So that's two and a half, approximately three weeks. What was happening during these three weeks? The reason you'll see, you'll see, they're trying to get to the higher bias. But as you can see up here, if you look closely, like I'm doing now, I'm pointing with my finger over there. Over there. So the Harabais was adjacent to a big fortress called the Antonia, which Herod had built to kiss up to Mark Antony way back in the day, the time he was building a base in Magdish. Now we have three temples. By Asrisha and the one built times Rubavel and the one rebuilt by Herod, by Hortus. Everybody in the Dafiomi knows the story, beginning above Vasa. Um, and Josephus describes it in much greater detail. Now, this Antonia fortress was adjacent to the base of Migdash, which means the back of the Antonia was basically the wall 
of the Harbais. So what the Romans want to do now, between 15 Eor and 5 Tamas, again, for the next three weeks approximately, they will one attempt after another to capture the Antonia Fortress. What's interesting is, Jews fought back like crazy, and they did a lot of undermining, but in the end they undermined themselves. So the the, the fighting is characterized by a lot of gavura with no chachma. This is the problem they had when they threw out Yochum Mizaka and the other Rabbanim. They didn't, I don't know if they had the military war, but they had the Chochma. You get it? And in war, like in a fight, Gavur is important, but if the Gavur is not backed by the Chochma, they're no good. Now, and the Romans had Gavur and Chochma, I'm sorry to say. So here the Romans, having to clear away the areas that they've conquered so far to make an assault on the Antonia Fortress, they brought up, the Romans did it scientifically. You build them embankments. So let's say I'm coming near the, 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 the fortress. You're going to shoot down at me. So I built these high things of earth, and I go behind them. Then you can't shoot down at me. Then I try to rebuild a, a, a couple of, of yards of Vitra. And you can't shoot down at me. Until I get near the wall, you know, then you bring up the battering rams. But once you bring up the battering rams, usually, you know, they worked. The Jews knew this. And so what they did, Josephus tells us, is that as the Romans came close and set up batting rams and catapults and all this other junk, listen closely. The Jews inside the Antonia Fortress did like engineering. They undermined. They dug a tunnel from inside the fortress all the way to outside to underneath where the Romans were. Made a big hole in the ground. And then, you know, so and so many feet below ground. And then they filled it full of oil, as we would say, bitumen, you know, flammable. And then they lit it. And a huge fire busted up and went, you know, up and, and the ground tore open and all the Roman junk fell in the ground and the soldiers and were burned. You get it? So it was Gavaldi. They wrought havoc in the Roman ranks. Um, there were some fights and found fights. I won't go into details. That's the essential strategy. So the attempt of the Romans to do it scientifically was undermined, as they say, that they dug a mine or a tunnel all the way under the way the Romans were, where they kept their heavy equipment. And then they blew it up, or in the ancient times, they lit it with flammable stuff, and the thing exploded. You know, in the 1973 war, Israel had a plan. Unfortunately, they didn't weren't able to execute it. When the Egyptians crossed the Sinai, uh, what do you call it, the Suez Canal, they had to squirt oil in the Suez Canal and just light a match. And then 10, 20,000 Egyptian soldiers would go, woo, like that. Right? It would be like a, like a candle. So they did it to the Romans. The problem is, when you do that, what you're doing is as follows. I'm digging a hole from inside the fort, all the way underneath, to go to the Roman camp. Well, that means I'm also digging the hole under my own walls. Get it? There, there are four walls surrounding the Antonian. I'm digging under my own walls. Came a rain a little bit later, and the ground underneath was weakened because there was a big hole way down below the bottom of the wall, and the whole wall crumbled. Now, it didn't. So, in other words, they shot themselves in the foot. Yes, they inflicted a big thing on the Romans. That is true. But meanwhile, they shot themselves. Because now the Romans didn't have to attack to capture the wall. The wall fell down. Now, the walls didn't fall down like Jericho, where the mamas fell flat. The walls fell down like got crumbled. So, it was a big bunch of rubble. The Jews immediately hid behind the rubble and fought the Romans off. 
Again, there were a lot of hand-to-hand -hand fighting. I'm not going to go through the details. And Jews even built a wall behind it. Um, said the Romans couldn't get in. It was crazy fighting. Back and forth, forth and back. Several times the Jews were going to wipe out the Romans. Titus led a cavalry charge. Like I say, if you're really interested in details, I can't do it in a podcast. You'd actually have to read um, Josephus. It's interesting, but very depressing. It's interesting, very depressing. Now, this is all happening between 15 ER and 5 Thomas. Like I said before. So, in this, uh, did I say that right? Yeah, 15 ER. So, it's actually, I skipped the um, Siva. So, was it, uh, it, it's the two months. Right? This is the Icarus fighting. Because from ER to Siva to Thomas. So, about two months. Back and forth. In the end, in the end, the Romans were able to bust into the Antonia. The Jews fought inch by inch. A lot of casualties. But by the time it's all over, the Romans had taken over, fighting room to room, the whole Antonia fortress. Which brought them up to the back wall of the Antonia fortress, which is identical with the Harabais, the retaining wall around the Temple Mount. You see? So that happened. The, the, the capture of the Antonia fortress happened 5 ER. Um, 10 days from before today, or whatever. You know, so it's uh, just before Shabbat Shabbat Thomas. Between the 5th of ER, I'm sorry, I keep using the wrong word. Between, I beg your pardon. That brought you up to five uh, Thomas. Between the fifth of Thomas and Shivasa for Thomas, the Romans had to do engineering stuff because you can't conduct military siege operations unless you know uh, your engineers have cleared away the area for your soldiers to run. Let's say there's a whole bunch of rubble between me and the enemy. They're going to use that rubble. So I have to bring tractors and junk like that and get rid of all the stuff so it's flat open ground, and now I can charge you. You see? <clears throat> the people who play war games, they forget the, the fact that a lot of it is dependent on the um, subordinate services, especially the engineers, things like that. But the Romans do it. And so, between the 5th of Thomas and the 17th of Thomas, the Romans were engaged in clearing away the rubble from the inside the Antonia Fortress, to make a clear way for them to come and bring the battering rams up to the wall of the Harbais. Jews fought back like crazy, but the Romans did too. Okay, the Romans did too. Finally, they were able, using the siege tactics, and this time, I don't know, they must have made sure that they're not being undermined. You know? And by the time they cleared it all the way, they raised it to the ground. So now they're up against the Harbais, the part opposite the Antonia Fortress. And they brought batterings up and they and started battering. Okay? The day they broke in to that wall, that's Shabbat Shabbat Thomas. So in other words, 12 days. Did I say it right yet? 12 days, about two weeks after they had stormed the Antonia Fortress. It took them that long to do all their engineering job, clearing away the rubble. So the Roman soldiers had to do double work. They had to fight but they also were trained to do this uh, schlepping stuff and uh, engineering stuff under the direction of engineers. And they knew it's a major part of warfare. And that's what happened over here. 
It is very hot. This is all taking place in Tammuz, as we understand Yerushalayim. It's hot like the devil. Water was in short supply. The Jews were hoping the Romans would be uh, discouraged, but they weren't. They weren't. And finally, they battered through one Shabbos of Tammuz. So that's Yom Gavar Ha'oyi It's not exactly right. Vatibok Ha'ir is from the Bayes Rishon. Here, Vatibok Ha'ir Bayes. Because as you can see, once again in this map, way before Shabbos of Thomas, the Romans were in the city. The question is, what do you mean by, excuse me, what do you mean by the city? In this case, you mean the Harabais. Okay? So the Romans captured the upper part of the city. They never did go into the lower part of the city until after Tishabov. They will spend the next 21 days after breaking the wall breaking a breach in the wall of the Harabais, up here, going after the temple itself. There's the buildings of the base of English, which is, I'm sure everybody knows, there are buildings on the Harabais. So, Shabbos of Atamos was about storming and breaking into the Harabais itself. Now, again, if you follow Josephus, every step of the way, this is smart warfare. Romans say, will you surrender now? Will you surrender now? Will you surrender now? They offer them terms and so forth. Uh, believe it or not, there aren't such chazals. I remember in the fourth parak, I believe, if I remember correctly, from the uh, overthrow of Nelson, the Romans said we just want a token surrender and all that stuff. In the eyes of the rabbis, it seems that, you know, the surrender would have been a better option. Of course, that they're right. And it wouldn't have been necessarily accompanied by a massacre. I mean, you never know with the Romans, but that was the terms. Uh, the Romans were quite aware that plenty of Jews were not part of the rebellion. They didn't want this. They were quite aware that this had been brought on by, as they say, by the Merikahana types. I don't care what anybody else said. We're going to do it right. He's going to bring the Mashiach now. Got to watch out for nuts like that. Now, because uh, they can bring the whole thing down. They don't care. No sense of a Christ. The Chazal were distinguished by a sense of a Christ, which puts you in a different situation. Anyhow, whatever the case is, so Shibasa Thomas is when they broke into Harabais. That means for the next three weeks from Shibasa Thomas to the Ace above, there's heavy fighting going on within the confined spaces of the Harabais. And they're trying to break into the building, the base of Migdash itself. We're told that the stones that you and I have never seen, we've seen the Jagundo stones at the bottom of the Kotel. But the codes are bias. Okay? The stones of the base of Mish itself, Gufa, according to Josephus, were so humongous and so well built that the batting rams did not work. Which is interesting. And so they had no choice, the Romans, except to take the place by storm. What they ended up doing was burning one of the doors and then getting in that way. That's the story of Tish above. I'm not going to go into that now. But I wanted to make clear as best as I could within the framework of a short talk what exactly happened when we talk about Shabbos and Thomas, uh, which was especially by Shani. And I repeat, if anybody's actually interested in the details more than what I've just laid out, all you have to do is just get into Josephus, which is all online. Some of this is in Yosifon, not line by line, because the Yosifon, which is a from version of Josephus, written much later, isn't interested in all those kinds of details. Yosef on his own agenda, 
which is a, a, a nice one. If you want to get the nitty-gritty details, you have no choice but to read the Jewish War by Josephus. And then you'll see how the Romans proceeded. Now, mind you, even when the base of Middush was captured and destroyed, after Tishabov, here I'm pointing this map again, the Jews in the lower city continued to resist. I mean, what their Havamina was, I don't know. Because 90% of the city was captured and the base of Middush was already destroyed. Like, what was the Havamina? This means fanaticism, get it? When there's no hope, uh, unless they believe that an ace would happen the last minute. I mean, that's obviously what happened. They thought at the end, at the last minute, you know, uh, you know, you could read Daniel like that, but that only happens when it happens. It didn't happen, unfortunately, as we know, and led to the Corbin. So that, in brief, is the facts of Shavasa Thomas as, as best as I can understand them. And, uh, uh, the Dvar Torahs you put together on this, you'll build out of what I said. And with that, I bid you a good Shabbos. Once again, I want to thank Abe Luck for uh, sponsoring this uh, and pushing me to finish it before Shabbos. And now I'm going to get a rest. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history.